Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fearview Family Ministry Podcast. My name's John, and on today's episode, we get to sit down and talk with Dan Co. Him and his family have been serving overseas. They are in Nashville currently, and we get to just talk about missionary work and how we and our families can be missionaries where we live, work, and play. We talk about everything from being a goer and to being a sender, how you can partner with uh, international missions, and how you can use your family here as a missional outpost. And so we're really excited about our conversation today. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're blessed. So let's get to that conversation. All right, everybody, we are here with Dan Coe and our guest for today. And I just want to start off with uh, just expressing my thanks for you being on this podcast. And I just want to give you a few moments, just kind of introduce yourself, your family, and uh, kind of the mission work that you've been doing. And then we can jump into our topic of today, which is going to focus on uh, really how to not only live as missionaries here, but how we can support and be a part of missionaries abroad. And so uh, the mission work abroad. So I'll leave it to you. Yeah. Give us a good introduction. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Really, really grateful to be a part of the podcast. Uh, excited to to see this happening and, and and to know that there's people tuning in and hopefully being uh, being blessed uh, by these by these podcasts. So thanks for for doing this and for inviting me in today. Um, I've been a part of Fairview for um, my whole life in the Lord, even before I met the Lord. So came came to faith. Really began to see evidence of saving faith and repentance in my life when I was nearly 23 years old. So it's been, um, I'm, I'll be 39 in April. So we're coming up on about nice. six, 16 plus years in the, in the faith. Uh, and, um, and kind of came, came here. My parents had been here, uh, for a few years prior to, to my, um, uh, coming to the Lord. And so, uh, kind of inherited this faith family and began that journey. And from the very uh, beginning of my faith journey, I kind of took for granted, largely, I think, because of an upbringing in a kind of missional church. Uh, I, I just took for granted. I knew that one of the things that believers were to do was share our faith. Uh, and so I was doing that early, testifying to you know, co-workers and fellow students, classmates and things like that, uh, but I also had an interest in doing cross-cultural work as well. And so I began to even explore that pretty early on into my walk, uh, which I'll get, we'll get back to that here in a minute. But um, Part of that was about two years old uh, in the Lord in 2008. I had the opportunity to go to Israel, where I met uh, on my first day there the woman who is now my wife, uh, Julia. Uh, we met, uh, I believe, after I'd also signed a covenant saying I would pursue no romantic relations <laughs> for uh, for that uh, internship year. And so I literally have a journal entry from that evening where I'm uh, expressing my, my plea for mercy to the Lord <laughs> that he would help me that year. Uh, awesome. and so I've shown that to Julie, and, and we've gotten some laughs out of that. But I did honor the covenant. Uh, we went back home to our respective uh, homes in Tennessee and in Germany, and then we reconnected about half a year uh, later via social media, married in 2011 uh, in Germany. And, uh, and then we moved, uh, after a couple of months of living in Germany, we moved back to, to Tennessee, uh, came came back into the fold here at Fairview after a bit of a hiatus for some, for some time as, as I was traveling and finishing my, my degree. And so Julie has been a part of this faith family with me since 2011, early 2012, I guess. And we started having children early. We now have four, uh, Olivia, who's nine now, Naomi, who will be eight in April, Micaiah, who is three, uh, three plus, and then Josiah, 
who's six months old. The, the first two children were born here in Middle Tennessee, and uh, our two girls were, and then our two boys were born in, uh, in Israel, where we now uh, work and serve. I wanted to start off with just kind of asking you to you know, share a little bit about the mission work uh, that you're doing in Israel yes. and uh, maybe uh, just, you know, whatever you want to share about that. Okay. Then we can kind of jump into uh, kind of uh, how to, to live missionally. Sure, sure. Well, I did kind of uh, skip a big portion of, of, the, of the story of the introduction um, and how we even uh, got to Israel. I had got there in 2008 via some Israelis that I met here in Middle Tennessee, basically, uh, that invited me ultimately to participate in this internship. That's where I met Julia. And from our earliest times, just in, in courtship, courtship and that long distance, you know, transatlantic relationship we were having, uh, we just knew. We knew that we were called and we had this affinity for Israel and for the Jewish people, for the Middle East more broadly. Uh, but we were very much open to the entire world. But we did feel like when we came back from Germany, I remember on the airplane saying to her, I feel like it'll be five years. You know, and then and then we'll be we'll be overseas again in five years. Whether back in Israel, Germany, we didn't know. Uh, and lo and behold, in our fifth year of marriage, we really did feel kind of that release from the Lord to begin pursuing that missionary call. And ultimately, the Lord narrowed down the world to the Middle East, and then to the Levant, so that'd be Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Israel, all that area right there. Uh, we had been working uh, in Nashville with Iraqi refugees that were here with World Relief, um, which is a refugee resettlement ministry was at that time. And so the Lord had given us this love for, yes, the Jewish people, the Israelis, the Israeli Jew, but also for the Arabs, uh, for the Muslims. Um, and so Julia shared this heart with me, which was really special, which I know we're talking about families on mission today. And I'm just going to say that if, if singles are listening in particular, man, pray, pray God provide you that woman. that's just going to share that passion for you for whatever it is, whether it's, you know, for us, it was, it was world missions, mm-hmm. you know, and God did that. God's so faithful to provide us a help meet suitable for us. Right. And, uh, and so just the fact that she shared this this vision and this burden for the nations was really special. Uh, and then so the, the world narrowed down to the Middle East Levant, but then we were connected with, um, with someone in Israel who oversees actually all of the, uh, he's within the Baptist world, and he oversees all of the Jewish work around the world. And so we were connected with him through a uh, kind of a mutual acquaintance. And then he invited us uh, to, come, to come on board, to come out to Israel for uh, back in, I guess that was, uh, that would have been in 2016 uh, when we were appointed with the International Mission Board. And initially that was for um, uh, to go to Israel to be a part of a, a year or two culture and language kind of training and then deploy to work among Jews in the diaspora. This is something maybe a lot of people don't know or don't remember, but even people here that are part of the Fairview family. I mean, when we left, ultimately we were appointed in 16, we left in 2017 with the uh, uh, thought that we were going to only be in Israel for a couple of years, and then we'd be going to somewhere where there's uh, a Jewish community, uh, uh, even Israelis, many Israelis live in um, different parts of Europe and around the world. But that's not the plan that the Lord had. So we got there. We did invest that first couple of years in learning the language. Uh, really grateful for God providing that opportunity. It's not, not anything that's taken for granted. Not everyone has the opportunity to really, really devote such a... Uh, a significant amount of time mm-hmm. where that's your sole focus, but we were given that. Largely, I will say this, due to the generosity of, of, of fellow Southern Baptists <laughs> who give to Lottie Moon and who help sure. with uh, who help with missions, uh, um, uh, offerings, and things like that, that enables us to be able to really invest in language learning. Mm-hmm. God gave us the grace to do it. I feel like we 
Julia already had her two, two languages or more at that point, so I already knew she was gifted in language. But for me, it was a uh, it was an exciting thing to kind of discover what um, what may have been a, a God given gifting long there, and so mm-hmm. it wasn't nearly as laborious or difficult as as as. As, as that language learning process is for many others. And so I'm grateful. So we invested in that. And along the way, in that first term, which was about two years of language learning, uh, we were getting to share with um, with so many people because our language helpers they weren't we weren't doing we weren't learning language in an academic uh, sure. setting we were learning just from locals who could speak it who needed some extra money and who had the time to invest and to help us and so it was really focused on speaking and so through that just getting a lot of opportunities to share the gospel to really invest in these um, uh, in these individuals and in these families' lives and then of course our children when we arrived in Israel our girls were. Um, four and when uh, almost uh, Naomi turned three like our first week there and then so just through the um, uh, you know through the pre-k situations that they were in and things like that really being able to engage with the families we were strategically planted upon arrival in Israel in a uh, in a in a neighborhood where it's really impossible not to be able to engage you know we can walk out our front doors in many of our neighborhoods in america and you know have no interactions i mean sure. we value privacy so much and i and i really do as well so but but you you go to israel and you live in a high-rise apartment building and you you know you, you know you, you step out to the playground there's just tons of opportunities yeah. your kids are in are in child care settings where there's 30 or 40 other children so that's access to all these different potential families and that was that was purposeful on the part of our the people who placed us where they did uh, and it was really helpful for us to be able to um, just to have you know immediate access to so many different relationships some of which you know ultimately uh, went way deeper than others and that's the thing though there were access to all these different people sure one just to, just I would say um, something that would be a pointer for those of, of you who are interested how can you engage your community like you're not responsible for each. If you're if your kids in a public school here and you got 25 kids in that class, and they're representing 25 families. You don't feel like you have to evangelize all 25 <laughs> of those families, but there are families there that God has is leading you to that are going to be open to that. You just gotta, and sometimes it just requires that kind of broad seed sowing to find out which of these families are going to be responsive, which of these families are going to be more interested in engaging in relationship with me that can lead to good, fruitful gospel conversations and you know and things like that. So, and that's something that we concluded too. We um, sorry, I'm going on and on here, but one of the, you know, people have different philosophies who live on the mission field about how to, uh, where to put their children. Some people say, well, you got to go full fledged and in America too, right? You got to have them in the public system. And others are like, no, you got to homeschool them. You know, you got to, this is the way to do it. Um, but it's not either or, you know, both, you can be a missional family in either context. Sure. And so we've, we've had the opportunity to do both. We started off in a public system there. But again, we didn't feel like, man, we have to reach all these 40 families. But God did lead us to a few families that we could really invest in their lives. Uh, and just so identifying who those are um, uh, was, was a key and just really asking the Spirit of God to lead. And, and so God gave us some great opportunities um, through those relationships our kids had in the schools. Something that resonated with me. So when Amber and I were missionaries in D.C., uh, it was a similar kind of deal. You could walk outside. There's the park across the street, and there's a ton of families yeah. and kids, and you you were rubbing shoulders with uh, diverse cultures, and you were, I mean, there's always somebody there for you to meet, and you were always yeah. asking the question, God, is this a divine appointed moment that you have brought mm. me into this person's life? And that was the constant mm. question and kind of focus of our mind of, you know, who are you going to allow me to meet today so that uh, it could be a potential person to invest in, in the future that you want me to meet? Yes. 
And, and obviously, as you said, you can't, uh, you know, hit everybody, right? You can't, right. Uh, you know, can't uh, <clears throat> pour into everybody or you're going to be spent, right, if mm-hmm. you do that. But what I found was that the Lord made it very clear in our time, you know, who those people were yeah. because they were, I mean, some crazy stories of people who were really receptive at a moment. The reality is like you don't know who God's going to put in front of you. And to bring that into context here, yeah. um, you know, I think you—, you you said like whether you're homeschool or you're at a public school um, or private school, you have a sphere, right? You have people yeah. that you're around, yes. and the Lord is could be divinely appointing you to, to pour into those families. And it's not like you're the, you know, the family that as soon as you meet them, like, hey, do you want to, you know, do you know Jesus? Do you want to come to my church? Right? Like the reality is that the Lord puts us into people's lives to love them and care for them, and then over time, He tends to build those opportunities to actually speak into those, mm-hmm. uh, into the situations and yeah. into into their lives. And and so, if you were to say like, hey, for a family that's here, that's like, where do I start? How do I engage um, mm-hmm. and be a missional family? That's what's like the the very basic things they would need to uh, kind of think about or think through, or some practical steps that they can do um, in order to be a, more of a missional family in their context here yeah. um, in Lebanon, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I think you just look at your look at those fears, look at where you work, where you live, where you play, and look at you know how are you spending your time. Look at your calendar and saying, you know, it's it's easy here to to just remain in, in our bubble, to just remain in our in our context with other believers. And that's encouraging, and that's that's great. We want to build up the body, and that's important. We want to be built up. That is, those relationships are critical. But if that's if, if we're not spending any time with lost people, then honestly, I believe we're living in disobedience. And when we look at Jesus' life, his example in the Gospels, that's not how his time was being spent. You know, I think he saw, as we should see people in it really, we put people in one of one or two cat one of two categories. Either they're they're in the kingdom or they're not. Either they're you know they're remaining in their sin or they're in Christ. Either they're saved or they're lost. And if they're saved, then we need to think how can we leverage our relationship with them to 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 demonstrate the gospel to them and to share the gospel to them. And if they're and if they're saved, yes, we want to be invested in training them up to do the same thing, right? I mean, we want to be disciple makers. And so those we don't neglect those people that are saved, nor do we neglecting the lost, right? But God has a purpose. You know, we're we're at a certain place on our in our journeys with the Lord, uh, and so if there's someone in your workplace that you know he's an unbeliever, absolutely. You know, think about how you can gather with him for lunch or for coffee. Spend time with him. Be purposeful about your lunch break. Locked into your phone on your lunch breaks. Sure. I can remember even working when I was here, working in a secular work environment. That was a big part of it, man. Just taking my Bible with me to the cafeteria, open it up, making sure to position myself in a place where, man, people know who I am. They know what I'm about. Uh, if I am with other believers, then we're going to talk about the things of the Lord. I mean, but it's, you know what I mean? You're putting yourself sure. in these positions where where you're there's exposure to a wider audience of the gospel, and then you're just being purposeful with those um, with those relationships and with those opportunities and with your time. Uh, and so, yeah, where you work, where you live, in your neighborhood, man, are you you know opening up? You're eating 21 meals a week, most of us. You know, depending, you're not fasting or have some other irregular sort of eating schedule. I mean, 21 meals a week of those 21 meals you're having. How could you bring an unbeliever into your into those contexts, whether it's out and about, whether it's on your lunch break, or whether it's in your home in the evening? But but purposefully opening up your home, um, gosh, for parents, you know, there's uh, the, the the opportunities are really so uh, are really so endless when our kids are involved both in their schools and in their extracurricular things. So I really think it is just uh, I think it's just being intentional, recognizing that man, everybody. Uh, everybody falls into one of those two categories. So how does God want to use you, you know, in, 
in the lives of some of these, again, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, uh, whoever it is. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, yeah. that, uh, yeah, that answered my question. I was, uh, something that you, you said kind of made me think through a phrase that we used to say, um, and that was that there's no wasted relationships. And yeah. so um, every relationship that we have, um, you know, it's an opportunity, you know, to love them, support them, share the gospel with them. And mm. some people will respond mm-hmm. to it and they'll be transformed in uh, amazing ways because of, you know, the, the gospel, inf- you know, transforming their life. Um, and you can see sometimes almost instantly where God is working something and he used you, which is always an exciting feeling. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes there's not that, right? Sometimes you do that and you pour into somebody and they leave and you never see them again. Yeah. And then sometimes you pour into them and it's, it's a year or two later and mm-hmm. they come back around yeah. and then they get involved, and so you never know kind of what, what God's doing in those lives. When we went to go be missionaries, we did not plan to have kids at the time. We were going to mm-hmm. just do it by ourselves, and then, lo and behold, surprise, Jonathan is here, and now we have, uh, you know, like a little baby in mm-hmm. D.C., and that was a shock to us. We never planned on that, but Jonathan ended up being, you know, one of the greatest missional uh, little kids on the planet, you know, and they're mm. uh, honest. Mm. They are, you know, kind of forward where yeah. some of us would be more reserved. They're like, hey, can we pray with you? I remember one time, literally, he walked up to a kid and was like, hey, what can I pray for you about today? And it's <laughs> like, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, if the parent doesn't like it, you could pass it off as cute, you know? Yeah. Yes. But I remember one time we had um, a bunch of people over at our house um, yeah. and uh, we had a Christmas book about the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Amber could tell you the story better, but it was something to the effect of uh, a little kid picked it up and said, what's this about? Mm. And his mom said, oh, it's just a story about, you know, mm-hmm. something, you know, like I kind of like, you know, brushed it off. But then sure. you know, Jonathan was like, it's, you know, Jesus' birthday, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, just in those moments, you have the ability to really um, see your family. Yeah on mission. And that's a really exciting place to be. There are people that God has positioned in your life for you to uh, live missionally and to love. And they may never give their life to Jesus or whatever, but I can assure you that most of the people that we've befriended at some point have asked us to pray for them about something, Mm -hmm. right? Those that aren't really religious or think about Jesus often, there's been moments in their life of tragedy where they reach out because they know that we do care about them and we love them regardless of whether or not they give their life to Christ. But they also know that we love Jesus and our greatest desire would be for them to love Jesus as well. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful kind of way to live as a family for sure um, in our, in our culture. And I think, and I think Jonathan was only, only like imitating that, which he saw modeled. And I think that's a key thing to say to the parents here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kids are going to, you know, are going to imitate what they see mom and daddy doing. We're, we're their heroes. Right. And so if they see mom and daddy talking about Jesus being a intentional with their lives and sharing about Jesus, sharing their faith, living their faith authentic, you know, with authenticity, which is something I'm often praying, oh God, you know, sure. like I let our children see authentic faith in me that they they desire that, you know, and a big part of us, us living that faith is stepping out and sharing that faith. I mean, again, that's the walk of of obedience, right? It's the obedience of faith among all nations, Paul said, was the purpose for which he wrote Romans. I think he begins and concludes Romans with something along those same lines, this great theological treatise. Well, it wasn't just so we could think about <laughs> this great theology, think about this great gospel, but it's so that there would be coming about the obedience of faith among all nations, right? And so we want to be living in the obedience of our faith, but we want to be, sh- and part of that is sharing. It's living the Great Commission. It's going and, and taking the gospel 
call people everywhere. Uh, and so it's funny that you talk about Jonathan. I'm, I'm just thinking he, he must have seen daddy doing that. And I can think of my girls. So I, I tend when I get locked in a conversation, maybe you're like this, John, I don't know. I can just tune out everything around me, including my own children. <laughs> right. I mean, they could be put on my, on my shirt and like throwing a rock at me. And I'm just like locked in. And, and so often I would get home from some event or another, even just a playground. And she said, well, daddy, I told you when you were telling that man about Jesus, you know, and so she'd remind me. I was like, well, why, when did you tell me that? You never told me that you wanted a piece of candy. You never told me you wanted that. But she's like, no, daddy, you were so occupied with sharing, you know, maybe didn't word it like that, but you're so occupied with sharing your faith. And so the children are seeing that they know when daddy, and they can probably, they can probably read it now. Oh, he, that must be a conversation about Jesus because it goes to another level of maybe intensity or passion, right? This, this should be mm-hmm. like, how passionate do you get talking about the Titans? Uh, should have been a Super Bowl run or the Bills for the your bills, case, John. Let's go. You know, I mean, like we get so passionate. You know, it's it's March Madness time. People oh, are yeah. going mad about college basketball and go Vols, right? I mean, yeah, we want to see them make a run, but but do we have that? Our, do our kids see us jumping up? Sure. You know, as you know, when we when we see some great fourth and and goal, you know, and we get super ecstatic when we we punch it in there. You know, do we, our kids see us getting ecstatic about the the cross and the empty tomb mm. and the and the reign of the Lord Jesus and the expansion of His kingdom? Like, so that's a that's a challenge for me always. Yeah. You know, otherwise, what are they seeing? Are they they're seeing something that's just no different than? Then our favorite football club. Sure. You know, it's just it can be it can be right there, like this little boy said when he saw the book. It's just another book. Well, this is just another thing in our lives, you know. And so, but if it's not that, and if it's something that excites your passions more than anything else, man, your kids are going to pick up at that, and they're going to take that to the school with them. They're going to take that to the playground with them, to the soccer field with them. So I, w- I was thinking yesterday about, um, you know, what separates, and I was thinking in context of church, but I was thinking like, what separates, you know, the body of Christ from. Uh, any other organization that's out there, right? And I was thinking through, like, okay, well, you can find community, you know, outside of a church. You can find community. You can find good music outside of a church. You could find um, service opportunities, right, outside of the people of God. You know, so I was kind of thinking through, like, what kind of separates it. kept coming back to is that, you know, we have the message of salvation, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. the thing that makes and should drive us to be passionate about living this Christian life is that great commission. We literally have the words of life to Mm. give to people and that they can't get that anywhere else. Right. right. Like they can serve all they want and serve other service opportunities, which is a good thing to do. Sure. But they will not have the words of life and they will not hear it outside of, you know, the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? They can find community elsewhere and that's a great thing, but they won't hear the message of the gospel. And so I was just thinking through like, you know, what should really be driving us and motivating us? And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes as a pastor, you can just be like, oh yeah, the great commission, that's supposed to be our aim. Mm -hmm. But like, when do we really sit down and think about like, just how pivotal that actually is that we actually have the Mm -hmm. words and the message of salvation. Mm -hmm. And if we believe, like, as you said, people are in two camps, those that Mm -hmm. have been saved by Christ and those that haven't, how much more passionate and more important is it for us to live uh, demonstrating not only the gospel, mm-hmm. but to share that with others um, if they don't have the hope you yeah. know, of the gospel living in them. And I think we can look at people who go overseas and see how passionate they are. But in our common day life, I can feel like that we sometimes make it mundane 
or we don't feel as passionate about that. If you were to say like, you know, if a family is listening or an individual is listening and they're saying, Hey, you know, like, um, I used to be that way about the gospel Mm. or maybe it's, I gave my life to Jesus, but I've never been that way about the gospel. (laughs) I've never been passionate. I've never really felt that way. What would you say to them just from a, a pastor and missionaries kind of, um, heartbeat of like how to maybe cultivate that or things to think through to kind of help them, uh, tap into some of that passion. Yeah, I know. I know it may seem old fashioned. I'm probably a bit old fashioned, but I think, I think to go out and have an opportunity. I mean, look, soldiers form their camaraderie where in the trenches together, you know. And so, even if you're a father and you got family, you got all these responsibilities, you got a busy work life. Find a way. I mean, recently I had a guy invite me out to go to the pilot truck stop, and we went out and we evangelized at the pilot truck stop. I didn't, it, this never entered into my mind, but I, I met a guy. And I've been praying for opportunities, for sure. Pray for opportunities. Number one, I have to say, pray pray that God would kindle that passion. And then number two, pray for opportunities. And I believe God will bring them because it's you're praying according to his will. You're sure. praying according to what he's clearly revealed in Scripture that he wants all of us to be involved in. So, you know, but to go out there, and, and I was skeptical about what it's going to look like at a truck stop. But, man, we just loved on these truckers, got to pray with probably, probably and share with a dozen people, you know. And, and it was just incredible. So... I'll say find opportunity to get some reps, even if it's just to shadow somebody at one point. What I was going to say about old fashioned is I know there's not maybe a lot of that happening as it did maybe in, in generations past, right? I mean, there's there's a true uh, and a right, I think, emphasis on relational evangelism. We don't want to go out and hold, hold signs up on college sure. campuses and stuff like that. That's just not been very effective, uh, you know? Um, it can do more harm than good sometimes. However, there is a place for just going out and just engaging people. Sure. I mean, one of the ways that we've done so in Israel is just through surveys, going out and asking a series of questions, actually doing something with the data. Maybe that's not anything you can do, actually gathering data and, and having some use for it, but to go out and just ask people, hey, what do you think about this you know, item? And it can be a current event. It can be any number of things. But ultimately, you're doing that in order to bridge into spiritual conversations and get into the gospel. Mm-hmm. But maybe to go with someone who you know is already doing that. I'm happy personally to to go and do it like this is my invitation to anyone listening to say hey if you want to do it I got time here I'm here on a on a bit of a leave from the field for those listening who don't know that so uh, but uh, but man it doesn't mean I'm not engaged in mission and so I want to go out with people whether we go to a truck stop whether we go to Opry Mills Mall which by the way at Opry Mills Mall in Nashville about every single kiosk there's an Israeli working there so I would encourage prayer walking that mall and asking God for opportunity to engage Israelis and and Middle Easterners that work there but yeah I'd say that's it. Pray into that. Pray God give you that passion. Pray God give you those opportunities. And then pray God would put someone in your life or some persons in your life that you could go out with. Maybe start with prayer walking your neighborhood, prayer walking a place where there's a lot of pedestrian traffic. Again, if we're in, in Lebanon, Tennessee, maybe there's going to be a little bit less of that, but those places still exist. High traffic areas, it can be Walmart. And just go and pray in and then asking God, you know, man, God, lead me. To, to, to someone to share with and just open up a conversation. And you'll find that so many people are just willing to talk. And once you loose your lip, God says, open your mouth and I'll fill it, right? I mean, once you just let your let your tongue loose, you'll find that, man, people are ready to engage. People, God's put eternity in the heart of every person you go and meet out there. He's, he's created every single one of them in his image. And all of them have this desire, whether they know it or not, this longing for something that's, you know, that's beyond that. They're longing sure. for, uh, for, for the truth. You forgot one major high traffic area that's soon to be in Lebanon, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme is coming. I actually did not know that we're going to have a, a, a brick and mortar Krispy Kreme here. Krispy so. Kreme's coming in Lebanon, wow, folks. Wow, man. No longer just picking up the so Krispy Kreme packages at, I, I'm at all about that Krispy Kreme evangelism. So if you ever want to go to Krispy Kreme, 
when they build it, I'm, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, looking and kind of, you know, Aubrey Mills Mall and kind of the diversity of cultures that are mm-hmm. there. And uh, so if you were to, if, if we have a family that says, well, I want to engage locally, you're giving me some kind of ideas on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, how would families here in like Lebanon yeah. get involved in international, like supporting, encouraging, participating in international missions? Yeah, well, you know, every every church and every individual believer, you know, again, uh, they, one, or, one or two categories, as it relates to mission, it's also one or two categories. I think either you're a goer or you're a sender, you know, and so that's number one thing. And, and you want to pray, and number one, you're, you know, those that, those that um, oftentimes those that eventually are sent are those that first prayed, right? So number mm-hmm. one, like adding that to your regular prayer regimen, right, is praying for, praying for, um, you know, God to send out labors into the harvest, praying for world missions. Uh, one way that you can kind of uh, uh, help aid you in your prayer life for world missions is I know Operation World had a book. I don't know if they've updated it since 2010, but it's just great. There's tons of apps. There's Open Doors International is an app you can get, their, their pray app, where every day you're getting real-time updates. I mean, it's convicting, like... <laughs> I, I get emotional talking about it because sometimes I'll find myself so looking inward at myself and all the problems and all the struggles that I'm having. And then I'll get a notification about, you know, about three more teenage girls that were kidnapped in North Nigeria by the Boko Haram, mm. you know, in believing households or pastors that were killed in Cambodia or any number of things. And it's just like, man, you know, it just burdens my heart because these are my brothers and sisters. These are my these these people are closer to me than my own next of kin who don't know Christ, which I, I those I have those. <laughs> I have siblings and cousins mm. that don't know Jesus. And so these these people suffering in other contexts around the world, not just, you know, yeah, I mean, these are these are brothers and sisters in Christ. So familiarizing yourself with those stories through these applications, like uh, the one that Open Doors sure. puts out, uh, and others will help. Uh, help you in your prayer life for them. Uh, but then, I mean, you can you can do it here locally. Like I said, the nations are among us. A lot of people don't know. Uh, there are people that we work among, the Israelis are at Opry Mills Mall, but man, there are uh, all around here. I mean, you, you can't go down to Nolensville Road in Nashville without encountering on every, you know, every block a, 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 a variety of different cultures and backgrounds out there. And so, um, and there's, you know, uh, there's op- there are opportunities to be engaged. There's people already doing that work, so you don't have to go and reinvent the wheel. But there are opportunities here locally. But there are groups out there really engaging the international community, whether it's Kurds, whether it's Mixtecos. I know that Fairview used to work with uh, Mixtecos, uh, unreached people group out of Mexico in times past. And so, um, yeah, again, I'm, I know I'm happy to help you that talk with your pastors, talk with people in your life, and we can help point you in that direction to get you involved in engaging the nations that are sure. among us. How about from yeah. a standpoint of helping yeah. support and encourage uh, missionaries, let's say in the IMB, yeah. um, and how to kind of stay up to date on what's happening there, and just yeah. kind of how, how can they get involved that way? Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said earlier, I mean, you're you're giving to the Lottie Moon offering, which doesn't just happen at Christmas. Lottie Moon is open uh, 365 days of the year. You can go onto the onto the website, just Google Lottie Moon Christmas offering, lmco.org, I think it is, and you can you can give there, and 100 percent of that goes to support our, our um, world missions. I believe we have now 3,500 different units out there with the IMB engaging uh, in, in, engaging peoples in places that are unreached. Uh, some of those peoples who've never heard the name of Jesus, we got, I got colleagues going out to them, places that are, uh, and people that are uh, broken and hurting. And so 3,500 units, that's that's into it, singles and families. A unit would be a single, it'd also sure. be a family that are out there. And we're aiming to send more. I mean, the goal, our organizational goal as IMB is to send out 500 new units by 2025. You know, that was the goal that was when the 
President uh, Chitwood uh, step into uh, his new uh, role as President IMB that he he laid out for us, and so we're aiming towards that. So giving, praying, IMB also has its own apps and things you can subscribe to, newsletters you can subscribe to. Um, Yeah, and I mean, just I got to give a little plug for my own people, right? I mean, there's... Love the love the Israelis. This is uh, where I've been called to. Again, whether I'm serving them in the land of Israel, whether I'm going to be one day, who knows, serving them elsewhere. Um, you can find out a lot about what's going on with the, the kind of the movement of the gospel in Israel at oneforisrael.org. Uh, there's testimonies. There's imetmessiah.org. It's really fascinating to hear about these uh, Jewish background believers, right, and how they came to faith and how the gospel is going forward now in Israel. We've been connected closely with that ministry over the years. Uh, it's, it's one God has really used um, uh, powerfully over the past, I guess since 2014 or so, is when they established this kind of media ministry. And it's really going out to reach Hebrew speakers, Arabic speakers, Russian speakers, English English speakers, uh, again, both Jews and non-Jews, but uh, really God's using it effectively in Israel, in the Middle East, and even more broadly than that. Um, and so, yeah. And then uh, one one last pitch I'm going to make is for my own contest, because I didn't even get to that. I shared about sure, my yeah, first couple ahead, of years, but we moved in 2020 to the, far, to, the, uh, to the far north of Israel, where we now serve in the Upper Galilee, so a few minutes from uh, ancient Caesarea Philippi, which is where wow. uh, Peter made the good confession, right? That Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, what? Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. And so we're, we live about 10 minutes away from that site. Uh, and uh, and I can tell you that that, that promise, he's going to build his church, and the gates of Hades aren't going to prevail. Man, this has been a place where it's as if there has, you know, uh, the gates, you know, the the, the enemies, the, the 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 powers of darkness have been prevailing. It seems like for centuries, there's not been really a a healthy, vibrant community of faith, a healthy, vibrant church in this area until recently. And we give God all the glory for this. But there has been now a new church plant established. Uh, I guess it's been three or four years ago now that Praise we got to step into that and be a part of that. There's been a new one in July that was planted about half an hour south of us, and now we're looking at the Golan Heights to plant uh, potentially uh, in the very near future. There's young disciples that are being trained trained up in the north of Israel. By the way, Ukraine, U- Ukrainian background believers that we work with. Uh, we have families that we work with that are Ukraine, also Russian background. So it's really interesting in Israel. You get that mix. But um, also engaging just different groups. It's a it's a place with a lot of diversity in the north of Israel. It's uh, actually 60% Arabic speakers. Hmm. Uh, and so those include not just uh, Muslims, but also kind of Catholic background, also uh, um, some other unreached people groups, like one group called the Druze. And so there's a lot of opportunity for, even within the borders of Israel, and even more specifically in our context in the far north, for engagement of different uh, of different unreached people groups, unreached and even to a great degree unengaged people groups in some cases. And so I uh, just had to give that. Please pray. Please, if sure. people at Fairview, you know me, then I'd love to sit down. This is... Uh, yeah, we can devote a whole other podcast to talking about the work specifically in Israel because I, I just love that and I just want to encourage people to, to pray for the salvation of, of Israel, pray for the salvation of the Jewish people, uh, and, um, and, and for all the peoples of the region there. Thank you so much for jumping on our podcast, and thank you so much for uh, serving uh, with your family, and uh, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I'm sure our folks will be blessed by the conversation, and I can't wait to see our, our families live on mission here in a Na- in Nashville area, but I can't wait to see them and how they support um, local, or local and foreign missions, and I can't wait to see uh, what God does in their life as they pray about maybe possibly going or sending yes. um, as God leads them. And so thanks again for uh, joining us. My pleasure. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. As always, we appreciate you listening. And if you would do me a favor, if you would just go online to wherever you're listening to this podcast and give us a review, that would be super helpful. We really believe that this is a resource not only for our families here at Fairview Church, but we know that others have been listening as well. We want this to be a blessing on a broader scale. So leaving us a review will certainly help us in that regard. As always, we exist so that we can equip parents to be better disciple makers in their home. And we are excited as a family ministry team to be able to be a resource for you. And so if there's ever any topic that you want to hear uh, talked about or any type of focus for family ministry or anything like that, please let us know. You can reach out to us uh, online at our website at myfairview.org, and you can uh, simply just go on there, find our emails, and send us an email. My name is John Spolino, and I will be happy to respond. We love you guys. We're so grateful for you, and I hope you have an excellent day. Thanks again. Bye.